0: Tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren. He's Brett Terpstra, and our audio is finally working. What's up, Brett?
1: It only took us an hour to get this episode going.
0: It did. Um, okay, in fairness, like 45 minutes of that was me.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't gonna, <clears throat> I wasn't gonna like throw you under the bus on that.
0: No, I know, which is kind of you, but I'll, I'll, I'll own up to that.
1: Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention we have two sponsors today. I should have told you before we started, but but we have Remote HQ and we get to talk about Audible today. So that's a preview of things to come.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, So uh, how are you doing, Brett? It feels like it has been 10,000 years since we spoke.
1: A lot's happened.
0: Yeah, some good things. Georgia went blue, shockingly. Yeah. Um, and also then also barely, not so good but still things. barely. Well, look, we all knew it was going to be barely if it was going to happen <laughs> at sure. all. For sure. Uh, like, 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 I, I'm, I'm not even gonna like be mad at that because I was very firmly of the opinion that maybe if we were lucky, we would get one seat. Maybe. I no, I had no expectation that we that that we were going to win both. Like none.
1: I. I had so, hopes, but not expectations.
0: Yeah. I didn't even have hope if I'm being honest, just because <laughs> I'm, I'm from there. Like I, I know it. So when I, when I was seeing, you know, like counties and stuff come through, and of course this was, this was Tuesday before Wednesday happened. So right. you know, Tuesday night, I was, I was pretty excited because, uh, when, um, uh, uh they they announced that that Loffler lost and um that uh like that um that you know uh, yeah the Warnock won within like past the margin of them having to do a recount right. uh that was exciting and then the next day is when they officially announced that Ossoff won but of course when that happened we were all consumed by very, very different things.
1: Ossoff declared victory uh like early in the day released like a video uh like a a victory video so and this is before any any outlet had officially called the race Uh, he must have known something that the rest of us didn't but he seemed pretty confident so i i was just praying that it wouldn't end up being a uh an ill-advised ballsy move on his part
0: yeah exactly i didn't want it to be a dewey versus truman thing like um in right. and, and andrew yang my my least favorite uh politician right now uh, on the on the democratic side um right. <laughs> to be to be very clear on that uh called it like way early he was like we won both and uh both me and uh one of my favorite bands guster were like responding shut up dude like i mean and this was early this was before anybody had called anything for anybody it was way too early to be calling that I was like, do not jinx it. And I was just like, it, it made me even more like, actually what really made me infuriated with him was, was, it was his New York times, uh, interview yesterday. But, uh, before I was annoyed with that, uh, I was annoyed with, um, uh, him like celebrating victory before anything had even been called because like, I'm really, so, I'm so glad that, that Georgia won, but dude, like, Jinxing is real. Don't do that.
1: It's not real. I was it's watching real. The Office the other day, and uh, as 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 I want to do these days, um, and Michael had this line where he said, "I'm not superstitious." Well, I'm a little stitious. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, yes. Have you listened to the Office Ladies podcast?
1: The Office Ladies podcast? No.
0: Okay, you have to. So Jenna Fisher and Angela Kenzie host a podcast where they go through episode by episode and they talk about what it was like on the office. They have, um, they share their own experiences. They sometimes have guests on talking about what things were and and the guests they have could be writers or producers or like the prop person or, or other stuff. It's, it's really, really good.
1: That sounds delightful. This is the reason I'm watching it again. And I actually, it was early in 2020 I binge the whole whole thing again, yeah. And then recently, L decided she was willing to give it, it. It had never like hooked her before, so she had never seen the whole thing. So I joined her, and now she's hooked. And we're in like season four. We're just kind of
0: you're in the great era. You're like, have you gotten to the dinner party episode yes, yet? Yes, we
1: just just <gasps> two days ago. I was like, yes, it's the dinner party episode. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, because oh like we were discussing whether or not Jan was a uh, a sympathetic character, and up until this season, L was looking at her as a woman in a position of power who had to deal with, um, you know, being a woman in the workplace and a woman in a position of power, and she was very sympathetic to Jan, and it actually took a lot of uh, oh yeah a lot of crazy for her to eventually decide jen was uh not a sympathetic character
0: right well i mean the well because the interesting thing is i think for the show it really took until like the third season probably when like michael broke up with her when he was at the mall episode and he was talking about how he that that was when i think us as the audience we were like oh something's not right here uh and then it just went from there but um yeah, I love I love Jan's self-destructiveness as <laughs> as one of the arcs on on the series, because it is certainly one of those things that's kind of a slow burn. And and then it crescendos just so beautifully with the dinner party episode, which is one of the greatest episodes of of like it's. Scott's tots is the most cringeworthy, like episode. <laughs> for period. Sure. Like, like, oh like God. that's the one that's the hardest to watch
1: because it's so cringy. Yeah.
0: But, but dinner party is probably like just one of the.
1: It well, it's just so good. Dinner party is also for me the turning point in deciding that Michael is a sympathetic character because up until that yes. point he's nothing but cringe, and he's predictable, and you can always assume the worst of him, and.
0: And then when you see what, how he lives and like what he's putting up with and
1: yeah. Yeah. And well, and how he has this naivety, Mm -hmm. like he's, he thinks as long as he's in a relationship, he's doing well, like it doesn't matter how bad the relationship is
0: and. right right no and at this point like they'd, they'd already had the deposition and they'd already yeah poor uh, yeah um yeah,
1: exactly yeah, poor Michael. Talks, it's, it's when you start saying poor michael
0: for for sure although again like what's interesting is michael what i love about steve carell's performance is that he does certain things like when he when he dates Tam, pam's mom mm-hmm. and and scott's toss <laughs> there are other moments where you're like yeah no um but, but it makes his arc and, and how he ends up so good. Yeah. No, the office is great, but office ladies, uh, it's really good. And, uh, Angela Kenzie and, and Jenna Fisher are best friends and they met doing the office together. And yeah. it's really pure to hear their recollections and reflections. And I'm also like selfishly happy for them, uh, because they're clearly making bank on the podcast. There's so many freaking ads on it. Um, which I skip through, but. Um, I, I have to imagine that they are just like cleaning up, which is good for both of them because, other than office residual checks, like I'm not trying to be like an asshole, but like I, they're I, neither of them are really working. So, you know, like get paid is what I'm saying. Like, I'm very happy for them on that regard, like, genuinely.
1: Treat yourself. Oh, different show.
0: A uh, different show, but, but, but but you know, Michael have, Shore, who's an office asked, writer. I've asked
1: Elle to promise me that once we finish The Office, she will give Parks and Rec another chance, too.
0: Yeah, because it's the first season of that one that you have to get through. You really have to get until—actually, um, it's like the first kind of two, because you really need to get until the introduction of Ben and— um, That's uh, true. Like, like you really need to need to get to to Adam Scott and Rob Lowe, I think, and that yeah. is when Parks and Rec really like. It has its moments before that, but uh, Mark Brandanowitz is basically like he's the dead weight on that show. And as soon as they get rid of Brandanowitz, it's it's Wait, like all here? of them. He was he was like the the guy that um, Leslie had a crush on the first season, and the, oh. then like and dated. Yeah, he's like yeah. he's that guy, the architect.
1: He's he's yeah he's bad. He, he,
0: well that's the thing he's not bad he's just he's ineffectual like there's nothing to him.
1: What's the guy, Chris uh the and um he's one of the Chris's uh it turned out to be pretty uh, religious. Yeah
0: yeah yeah uh Chris Pratt.
1: Yeah. His he 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 uh he carries those uh those early seasons I think.
0: He does. I agree. I I I agree. I, and I I, I mean, am Nothing
1: uns- not to denigrate Amy Amy Poehler's performance; she's outstanding. You no,
0: know, she's but. obviously the star, but no, but he—he he really was, I think, the breakout. He and Aubrey Plaza both, which was yeah. why I think Andy and, and um and April was was nice. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I love Parks and Rec. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one that I can just watch over and over again.
1: This episode instantly became a classic TV episode.
0: It really did. It really did. It really just became like a Michael Shore appreciation episode. Actually, <laughs> it was funny because. A friend of mine last week sent me um, a joke based on like that somebody wrote a paper, uh, like like a medical paper that was at at University of Washington that was trying to like scientifically kind of explain that that's what she said joke,
1: mm-hmm. and and
0: there were all kinds of formulas and stuff, and and they cited you know the office, but this is where me being ultra nerd got kind of pissed off because I was like. No, no, no! You 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 cited the wrong Greg Daniels thing as as popularized because that's what she said at least the way that we kind of know it really originated. And and when Grant and I figured this out years later, we freaked out. It was an episode of King of the Hill really? a year before The Office debuted that was called "That's What She Said." That star the guest starred Ben Stiller that kind of popularized like the way it was used and Greg Daniels was the exec producer of the, um, King of the Hill. And he went on to create the office and a lot of the comedy writers, a lot of the staff members, like people from, um, King of the Hill went on to the office and other things. And, um, I was like, I was frustrated. I was like, this is why, you know, I, I, like I wanted to be like the academic editor for the equivalent of a shit post, you know, like funny paper. Cause I was like, no, 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 your footnote should have (laughs) included Like a reference to King of the Hill, but that led me to this vulture article. That's like five years old at this point. So it didn't even include, um, the good place, but, uh, it was arguing that basically King of the Hill is like one of the most influential comedy series like (laughs) ever. And no, but it's true because if you look at the writers that came out of that, like Greg Daniels and, um, uh, was his face um uh, paul lieberstein who was toby on the office but was their showrunner for a long time and and wrote on that and then michael shore came um uh, obviously from the office but like he was a greg daniels person and people from brooklyn Nine, and people from like a bunch of other shows all descended from king of the hill wow it's, it's I had really no idea. interesting yeah, yeah and and if you actually look at like even the style of comedy and stuff it's actually yeah i'll find the the article because it was actually when i found this this was again before all the unpleasantness it really made me think because i was like that's a show that's the show that grant and i probably watched the most like we watched the office and parks and rec and things like that but like king of the hill because it used to be on cartoon network like you know um twice a twice an evening yeah, and then yeah, the yeah. three runs would come back around so we we've watched that show god i don't even know how many times um and um it's uh a it holds up way more than uh a show like that you would expect to and and B, it uh yeah this is the vulture article from february 2015 so six years ago um none of the best comedies uh on tv would exist without king of the hill
1: yeah all right um uh, fine do you have a link handy
0: I do. I'm I'm putting mm. that in right now. You're yep. Awesome.
1: You're awesome. All right. Well, that was a a fun news segment. On, that was. Uh cl- I, I guess we can call it classic TV. We're we're old enough now.
0: Yeah. It's old that. enough. It is old enough, but I hate that we I it is it is truly old enough to be classic TV, but but I hate to admit that. But yes. Um yeah. So how are you doing? How what what's uh let's let's go into a health corner.
1: Sure. Um, so I've been on my, uh, my new stimulants for a week now.
0: Yeah. So you're on your, you're on Focalin or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Focalin XR. So you remember last time we recorded, I was manic. Yes. That episode only lasted one day, which is the shortest manic episode I've ever had. And uh and like we said that actually started before I started the focalin and I waited until it ended before I started the focalin so I could be sure you know i have some right. idea what was actually happening so within a day i was sleeping again and um i i think i hit i think i got a follow up depression uh i think i'm kind of still in it um uh, mm-hmm. but it's not it's it's mild um I'm only seeing myself as partly shitty and not, you know, as shitty as I sometimes feel. So anyway, the focalin is doing what I hoped it would. I am um, able to start what used to seem like overwhelming tasks and and plug away at them without uh, di- being distracted or uh, giving up on everything. So well, it's really working. Good. It's got a. Like, with the vivance, it takes an hour at least before it quote-unquote kicks in. And then it's super mild, like, all day. The Focalin, within, like, 15 minutes of taking the capsule, like, heart rate increases. And it's, like, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this crash period at the end of the day where, like, I get skin-crawly and irritable. So I'm thinking we may have to play with dosage on this. But during the day, it is working really well.
0: That's really good to know. I'm glad about that. Um, but do, obviously, obviously do, like...
1: Sorry, do go those on. kind of side effects happen to you with dexedrine at all? Not really. Yeah, I may... I may after giving this a chance for a month, I may ask to try uh, one other, you know, something, something else, see if there's something that is as good for my concentration, but has less physical side effects.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I really don't have any physical side effects, except sometimes. Yeah, no, not really. Not really. Um, I also think
1: I also think they will, like, kind of mellow out as if I give it long enough yes we'll see. i agree with that we'll see any updates on your end
0: no i mean we were talking about some of my my kind of like general kind of malaise and whatnot and that certainly isn't any better uh mm. given just the state of the world were, but you, were I,
1: you able to get back to work okay
0: yeah yeah i was able to well i was and then work kind of ground to a halt after wednesday so, sure. uh, okay. it's back, it's back on now, but like I had, um, I had meetings scheduled, uh, with, with someone and fortunately that person canceled and then people canceled most of our meetings like Thursday, basically we're almost all canceled. And then I had some work, you know, Friday, but, but basically, um, at least for my team, a lot of work other than just email and paperwork stuff, like really kind of ground to a halt.
1: So that's interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like you're working in a news organization or anything. I know.
0: Well, actually, that's the interesting thing is in a news organization, though, you wouldn't be able to, it wouldn't be able to grind a halt like that. that, It would be. I was going to say what was like, so we're going to have to talk about what happened Wednesday. Now, I think this is a good segue. Um, Unless we want to do a sponsor read first.
1: We should probably, since we have two, we should fit one in. It's, It's a horrible segue. But. I want to do, I want to do the remote HQ one first.
0: Yep. Let's talk about that one. Yep.
1: Man. Let's see if we can fake a segue. Okay. Oh, speaking of getting back to work. How's that?
0: Oh my God. See, that's perfect. Speaking of getting back to work.
1: Yes. Um, This episode is sponsored by remote HQ. With remote HQ, your team no longer needs a physical office to meet in. Remote HQ empowers remote teams to work together as if they were in the same room. When you set up a meeting room, you can mix and match various apps on your screen to meet the needs of that particular meeting. Simultaneously, browse online, take notes in a Google Doc, share Dropbox files, manage a Trello board, add files from your Google Drive, collaborate on a whiteboard, and more, all while still being able to see and talk with your teammates. Remote HQ automatically captures session output so you have a searchable digital trail. Notes from every meeting are logged and saved to the event and you can even do audio and video recordings right from within your meeting. Since the platform is browser-based and there's no need to download anything, Remote HQ is easily accessible to everyone. There's even a mobile-friendly mode for attending meetings from your phone. And the meeting rooms can be locked and used only by authenticated users, which is more secure than just using a pin or a password. So, head to remotehq.co slash overtired for a free 30-day trial. And when you're ready to launch, use code overtired to get your next three months for free. That's remotehq.co slash overtired and get started today.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, so back to the news at hand.
0: Okay. All right. So um Wednesday happens and I um it was one of those things, you know, I was I was I was up super, super late uh that night, kind of watching the election results and watching stuff come in from Georgia, you know, it was it was kind of hyped. And i had been seeing the stuff online from the various websites and and some of the 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 crazy places that I knew that, you know, people were planning stuff. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I knew there was gonna be some some rallies and whatnot, but not anticipating what was gonna happen was gonna happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm just kind of going about my day and and then you know these just i don't these domestic terrorists breach to the capital yeah. and i'm i'm watching you know um because i i'd had like like tv on because i'd been watching the election results or whatever and then all of a sudden you know the 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 content you know like changes and i'm like what what is this you know like it it took me a while to kind of realize what happened and at First, my response was, I feel like, I don't know how your response was, but I felt pretty numb. And I felt numb in the sense that I was like, I'm not at all remotely surprised that this has happened. Right. There, I, I was like, in no way surprised. I was like, this is absolutely predictable.
1: Yeah. No, but- I was very much expecting what happened to happen, uh, even predicting it to people who would listen. Uh, Yeah, it was was talked about. There was plenty of chatter. It was fomented by the president of the United States. Like the language was all there. It was obvious that these uh, sheep were willing to follow their shepherd and take him at his word. And the idea that that something had been stolen from them was so uh, prevalent in their minds Mm -hmm. that to them, it seemed like armed insurrection was the only recourse, right? Like that's what they were left with. And I can have sympathy for that feeling. Like if, if I were, if I had been kind of brainwashed in the same way and I felt if Biden had lost and I felt like it was unfair and that it was obviously rigged, I, I would, I would feel like my only options were uh, some kind of extra legal violence and right. I'm not saying I would do it, but I can understand that mentality, given the world they're living in. That said, shit, that that's it, it should it should have been a way bigger uh, kind of the, the legal, the the uh, law enforcement response to it was so it was shabby. It um, was it
0: it's an, it's it was that was the thing that. I think afterwards was really scary. And I think even watching it, that's what was scary. It was like, it was almost like you, we we're watching them in real time, stand by.
1: Well, it's when when the military aligns with the protesters and right. <laughs> tries to overthrow the government, then it's a coup. And, you know, at this point, it's an insurrection and they're investigating the cops that uh, that opened the doors or that even partook in the... In the protests, uh, they've suspended a couple. There are 12 more under investigation as of this morning. Uh, it, it, the the chief who resigned said he had actually requested a federal president, a presence, uh, National Guard, and he had been denied. But he's mm-hmm. still, you know, he's taking responsibility for the right, horrible you have DC cop presence there.
0: No, I mean, and, and that was complicated based on the fact that you know you have the you have the capital police and then you have the DC police and then there's the national guard you know like and I'm I'm not claiming that there aren't a lot of layers to that but the, at the same time, um the fact that they were completely caught like flat footed and seemed to have no idea what to do and in fact that was even the response that a lot of people you know very few cops have talked. I don't think any of them have talked on the record uh, ex- except for, you know, like like high level, you know, officials who resigned and whatnot, you know, because shit, I wouldn't I wouldn't speak put my my name or my face to, to, to speaking about any of that, too. But some of the people who have been interviewed, that has been kind of the sense is that they didn't know what to do, which, yeah, uh, we know because we saw it happen. Um, but what was, I guess, distressing for me, and it was one of those things that I wasn't surprised by what happened. But the more time that went on, it really started to sink into me, like what we were watching and what was happening. And it, it affected me a lot more deeply than I, I would have imagined that it would. Um, and I think part of the reason it did, like I I was supposed to record rocket that night and, and I, I didn't, um, uh, Simone and, and Bree did it without me. And I just, I just couldn't talk about tech. I just couldn't like talk about gadgets and review AirPods max. You know what I mean? Like I just was, I was not in a mental place to do that. And I think that part of the reason that I was, that I was affected the way that I was, was kind of what you brought up earlier. You said, Oh, well, you know, it's not like you were in a newsroom. I think that's actually part of it. So for so much of my career, I've had to have an emotional, um, like not disconnect but there's had to be like a separation between what your job is and then what you feel about things and that affects a number of things one it, it affects what you can express and how you can express your your opinions online because you don't want to come across you know like overly like in the tank one way or another. And this is, this was the case, you know, uh, it was, was much less the case at Gizmodo. It was certainly the case at Mashable, even though I didn't cover politics, um, or, or things like that, you know, generally, you know, it, it was more, um, I obviously, I think on, on our podcast and on you know people who knew me personally would know how I felt about stuff, but it wasn't like I was posting my, my opinions or able to kind of feel that way. And it was also, you know, one of those things where my job for better or worse for a number of years, I had the misfortune of being the person who, when something terrible would happen, it would, for whatever reason, um, not every time. And, and, and certainly it happened where people, you know, the, the knee, but, but I will always remember those times is that. If you're on call, if you're on duty and something really tragic happens, it becomes an all hands on deck situation where you go into kind of a news mode sort of thing where yeah. you're trying to gather all the information. And it's a, it, it does create, um, a, a separation where, you know, in my mind, like there, there is like, it's not a disconnect, but it, there is just this, this, you know, like emotional kind of separation between like what is happening in the world and what I'm feeling about it. And so this was one of the first times since I, I left like the newsroom where something like um I mean we had Charlottesville, which was terrible. And we had, you know, uh the obviously the um the demonstrations and, and some of the things that were actual riots like the summer and, and we had uh, you know, some of the other, you know, mass shootings and whatnot, but like This was one of the the first like really, really big things, at least for me that I was like watching that I was not covering, like that I was not in a position where I was having to be detached from it. And, um, I think that's why it hit me so hard because I was not in a newsroom place. This was a place where I could actually, or I was forced to actually absorb and reconcile all the emotional things that were going on. Without having the distraction of, okay, how do we get the facts together? How do sure. we present the information? Yeah, how do you go to an all to hands stand? How distract thing?
1: yourself from the exactly. horror of it and focus on, on the facts right. and the realities?
0: Right. And, and so, and, and, I mean, and that's the thing is like when, when you're in like, the news industry, like I, it, people, cops have the same thing too, uh, where you have kind of a macabre sense of, of humor. Because sometimes you deal with really terrible things and that can be the only way you deal with it. Um but because I I don't have that now and because I was and not only that, but I had a platform or had the opportunity to actually express my emotions and not have to try to keep it, you know, under wraps. It kind of hit me. I think like the more I was thinking about it, I was like, this is why this was I think more difficult, but what was also interesting is that it wasn't just me. So for me, I could have understood like if I needed to take a personal day or whatever, fine, but it wasn't just me. I mean, it was, it was basically um, like it, it was very much a company wide. I mean, I'm not going to say completely company wide thing. It's not like work ground to a halt or anything, but it was certainly something that many people throughout the organization felt very deeply. Yeah. Um, and I, I very much appreciated that my managers and leaders, you know, uh, vice president, people like that sent out messages basically being like, take care of your mental health first and, and prioritize that over having, you know, meetings, um, which I think is the right response because that is, I think how most normal people process this sort of thing. Right. I, I think that. Okay. Now that we're talking about it, I think that was it. I think this is one of the first times because it's, it's now been three and a half years, but this was one of the first times that I had to process, um, like a horrific news event, like a normal person. And that really like fucked me up to be totally honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So one aspect of this that worries me is that while there were, people in the capital carrying zip ties and and actually like protecting their identity overall it felt not yes. terribly organized no but it felt like Agreed. a practice run
0: um i wouldn't say that it felt like a practice run but i agree with you in the, dis- the the disorganization that is what kind of scared me though i was like imagine if they were competent
1: well see we have an inauguration coming up and there's plenty of chatter I know. On the now, now doomed parlor, but and elsewhere about getting together as early as the 18th for more literal insurrection. And I, yeah. I worry what happens now that they've had uh, kind of a chance to see what happens when you actually, you know, breach hallowed ground and mm-hmm. don't really know what you're going to do. What happens well, you when you a make plan. a plan ahead of time?
0: Yeah. No, I mean I think that that's a a valid thing to be worried about and I think this is why I'm sure that every um agency um you know local federal is yeah. state is is on the is on alert now because they clearly dropped the ball like at every level the ball was dropped.
1: What last so do you week. think they're going to have the inauguration outdoors in the No. No. What no. do you think they'll do? I don't know. Maybe they'll keep it a secret I, till the last second.
0: Probably. Oh, oh,
1: he could do it over Zoom and then claim the largest inauguration audience in history.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: More people uh, showed up for my inauguration than any other president.
0: Yep. I mean, that is that is how <laughs> Trump was trying to claim his audience was right, the biggest. I know. Uh, was, but there was yeah. photographic evidence. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But, but but he was trying to use his online thing. No, there was a part of me, like, I obviously didn't make the joke, but I'll I'll make it here. And this is in terrible taste. But there was a part of me when I was seeing all the crowds at his rally. It was like, well, you finally did it, Trump. You finally got, you know, biggest crowd ever. Yeah. Um. And I, I don't even know if that's true. I'm not sure how many people were there. If It was more than, you know his inauguration or if it was I don't think it was or if it was you know more than like the you know uh like women's march I, I have no idea what you know how to quantify it um, I'm not good at those sorts of things but certainly there were there were lots and lots of people um and, and far fewer of them were the ones who actually breached the capitol but just the fact that they breached it at all what what, what to your point the fact that people weren't doing things like opsec that was also the thing that was I think made it that much more kind of a surrealist and like postmodern and fucked up thing was that it was Instagrammed, It was live oh, yeah. streamed. It was spread on social media. Like it was like I tweeted something cause this is when I was still in the, I'm going to, I'm going to call it shock phase because I wasn't surprised, but yet seeing it happen was still very much in shock. I was, I was commenting on, I was making the comparison to, uh, the 1976 film network. And how like every year I say, you know, that we're we're one step closer to, you know, that which was supposed to be high-level satire being reality and and you know, at this point it has ceased to be satire at all. You watch that film and it is not far off, but it is it, like this was one of those moments where I was like, shit, this is really literally something that was portended by that. You know, that that not only do you have, have People doing this but they're broadcasting themselves doing it
1: yeah well and they're I mean, doing it with glee it was created by social media like this wouldn't yeah. have existed without i mean beginning with trump's twitter account and moving into right. like organization and and facebook and parlor and all of these uh it, this could not have happened without modern social media
0: no not not the way that this happened not at all um, because I think that when you look at past like insurrection uh you know attempts, coup attempts whatever and and you've certainly have had well organized people do those sorts of things, it's been people who, I think, to your earlier point, have had a better plan. I think that what's disconcerting about this and and what's bothersome about this is that these were people who didn't have a plan. these were people who were in a in a in a and going back to something you said at the beginning of this, who felt disenfranchised and felt like we're, we're sucked into this thing and felt like there's nothing else I can do, but at also, in a certain sense, I think we're just kind of like carried away with the with the crowd, you know? Yeah. Like I, I think that um, I, I very I would not be surprised at all. There were people who injured the Capitol building. I'm not saying people who went as far as you know, stealing things from um the uh, the 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 house. And I'm not talking about people who were you know, maybe breaking out windows and and taking shit right. I, yeah, I, I'm not talking about that, but I think that there were people who went inside and followed the crowd who didn't do those things who probably, in their mind, never would have imagined, didn't think earlier that morning, probably didn't even think you know that afternoon that that would be something they would do and that they were they were literally kind of carried into it right that it, but, it, but it was like this being part of the crowd being part of the excitement being part of the anger getting well, into it
1: i mean and with antifa leading the charge Shane, which <sighs> is
0: just a ridiculous notion but but you know what i mean like the, these are normal i mean i think that's the thing it's like these are normal people these aren't actual this is this isn't what we think of as normal uh, as like traditional insurgents right this 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 wasn't people who had a very clear cut political plan to take something over and had thought about it and were like coming at it from like a a place where they're like, I, I intend to do this. These are people who were caught up in the moment and were caught up in the anger and, and their own like conspiracy level bullshit. And that's really fucking scary because, you know, we, we, we've seen, you know, crowds get whipped up into doing all sorts of stupid shit before, obviously, but like this, I mean, uh, like when I was watching this and, and, and I, and I said this, and then I, I was not the first, I, I said this to Grant. He kind of, uh, you know, was like, well, no, but, but then he uh, more and more, as we saw, like the, the comparison was apt and that the places made it too. But I was like, this is some South America shit. Like, you know, watching it happen. I was like, this is not stuff that happens in the United States of
1: America. Did you see Arnold Schwarzenegger's address? No, I didn't. He, uh, he talked about how uh, basically, I mean, he, he found out later in life that his dad was a, at least a Nazi sympathizer. and Yeah, uh, I knew that. And he talked about how this was America's day of broken glass, referencing the night of broken mm-hmm. glass in Germany, um, when all of the ghettos were stormed by Nazi sympathizers. And when windows were broken, mm-hmm. men were shipped off to camps. Like, he, yep. he compared wednesday to to that and it yeah. was a very emotional address that he gave and i'll link it, it it's worth yeah it's worth I'm, I'll, I'll 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 watch
0: that that's um that's ballsy of him to do that and and i don't think that's wrong i i think that um a lot of people don't want to make that comparison but
1: sure everyone's I'll, shy about about talking about american fascism and sometimes right. i mean the hitler comparison while I have no real qualms with calling it out, American fascism is something, it's its, its own thing. It and is. To, it's almost reductive to put everything in terms of Nazi Germany or even Stalin, Stalin and all yes. of this. Like, American fascism in the age of social media is a very uh, unique it needs to, the, the salient points of it need to be addressed in their own context. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, I agree with you. I think you're exactly right. And I do feel, I, I agree with you too. I think it's reductive sometimes to always make the comparison, but at the same time, like that's what we do as humans. We analogize. That's how we try to make sense of things. Sure. Um, and um, it's not a perfect thing, but it's certainly like that has been the thing that I've I've thought about over the last four years. And we've talked about, you know, cause, cause you we have wondered throughout history. I think at least I have, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, who were, you know, raised in a certain time period who asked the question, how could this have happened?
1: Or how would I have reacted?
0: That's exactly the, that's what I mean. How, and by how could this, I mean, how could like the Nazism, like how, yeah. how would I react like, how did, how did that many people do that? And, um, one of the things that was really harrowing to me a number of years ago was the New York times ran a story about a, a a Nazi rally, like an actual Nazi rally yeah. in New York city in like 1939 or something. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, I, I didn't know about that and, and seeing, they had some footage of that and, and just seeing the reporting and seeing that stuff was really, really harrowing because you, that was the first time that it kind of, you know, hit me. I was like, and I did start to draw the, draw the parallels. It was like, okay, this, this is how it can happen. It's, 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 it's slowly and then all at once. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've seen where I think that, um, it's obviously different. Like you said, it it is American fascism, even if it were, even in absence of social media, American fascism would be different than fascism in other parts of the world. Our culture is just different, but the social media component adds this other element to it that, um, I think both makes it worse, but also makes it harder to detect because so much of the invective that you see from people is just that. It's just online invective. And we have become, I think, over the last 30 years of the the web's existence, conditioned to still feel like the internet isn't real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the stuff that you say online isn't what you really mean or what you're really going to do, because in large part, that's true. It has been this alternate kind of identity and it has been this way to, you know, kind of like blow off steam. But what happens when, right. Which I think is healthy and I think is important, but then sometimes, no, I mean, you know, I think it can be unhealthy too, but, but I, I, I feel like there's, there's, I'm not going to discount the value of people being able to, you know, like say something they don't mean or whatever, but what happens when that invective and that stuff then actually does translate into the real world and people go through with it.
1: Well, But it also provides automatic, um, like inevitable um, uh, agreement with the craziest of conspiracy theories. Like you yeah. can... You can put an idea out there and it echoes and it gets reinforced. That's mm-hmm. what I was looking for. Reinforcement. Um, it gets reinforced. And these ideas that eventually are going to boil over into the real world, it 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 allows them to fester and grow. Speaking yeah. of social media. Uh, so as a result of all of this, Trump got banned from Twitter. Fucking finally fucking finally and then facebook and instagram and twitch and hey, to be to be fair Ravelry, the knitting website, banned Trump a long, long time ago. Like they were on the ball with. Yeah, this. no, no,
0: no. They they were like first, I think, and <laughs> yeah. I think Pinterest was fairly early too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think the only one that hasn't, because he hasn't violated their their terms of service enough times, he hasn't had enough strikes, and and also to be totally honest, he doesn't have a presence there. Is YouTube, um, and and people are mad that YouTube hasn't banned him. I am not. He doesn't have a YouTube presence. His supporters do.
1: Google but did ban Parlor from the App Store. They were the first, I think.
0: Yeah, they were. They they were before Apple, which actually, um, I think that did did we even talk last week about how it was BS that that amphetamine was um, you know, like threatened from the app store, but Parler was still around?
1: Um, uh, no, we didn't. I don't even know what amphetamine is.
0: Amphetamine is is a menu bar app that
1: keeps your screen oh, on. Oh, sure, sure, sure. The, okay. the new version of Caffeinate.
0: Exactly. 1,000%. Well, Apple sent them a, a notice and then reneged after those outcry, as Apple is wont to do, um, where they told the developer, and this has been an app that's been featured by them and whatnot, where they're like, yeah, um, the name evokes drugs. And <laughs> uh, that violates our policies. So you're going to have to change your name or remove the app. Yeah. And, and then there was an Cry, and they don't. And it's fine. But also it's like what what but what bothered me, and this is before all of this stuff happened. I was kind of annoyed with this because I in my mind I was like, okay, you're gonna let parlor stay up, which at this point we didn't have the insurrection. It was just, you know, that this hate mob place yeah. where people were planning an insurrection. Um, but you're going to Come after somebody, and nobody had complained about amphetamine. That was the thing too. Nobody complained about it.
1: You're, you're attacking a problem we don't have.
0: You're, you're yeah exactly. You're attacking a problem that doesn't exist, but yet you know this this thing that does clearly exist is an issue. But yeah, no, Google was first.
1: And but the then, only um, one at, that matters, the only ban on Parler that actually matters is AWS.
0: Agreed. Yep. And and that's um. You know, it's not unprecedented when um, Gab was was hosted by by uh, Azure at one point, and at, uh, Azure dropped Gab. Uh, I think um, I don't know if it was around Charlottesville or if it was something else that Gab did, where where somebody on the the platform was was uh, you know associated with some sort of like mass shooting or something, yeah. um, and um, you know, and and they had to to you know find.
1: Other infrastructure for that way well and then a bunch um, of dns servers dropped gab as well exactly Cloudflare,
0: yeah stormfront uh yeah um a dns servers all kinds of other stuff uh, parlors dns from what i understand hasn't been dropped but they have moved to the same dns provider that uh hosts um uh eight uh, kun and um and gab and some of the others sure. uh, how do you feel about the aws ban
1: i i think it's a great first step I think they clearly violated Amazon's clearly stated terms of service Mm -hmm. and, and absolutely should be banned from the service. And I hope they continue to get banned wherever they try to set up shop.
0: Yeah. So I won't go as far as saying that. I hope that they, I mean, I don't care if they are banned or not banned. Um, I, I think like on a fundamental level, taking, uh, aside the the clearly illegal things that are there, like I, I'm not opposed to it existing if a service provider wants to provide them service, but I'm also not at the opinion that some people seem to be where they're like people who claim, you know, um, that they don't want the government to, you know, be involved in any private business, except when a private
1: business chooses to say, I don't, well, I don't to want speak. it to be a government thing, but these are private businesses making no, exactly. private business decisions.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, uh, and, and I'm fine with Amazon making the decision. I think the only wait, I think the only area where I get squishy on it, cause I'm completely fine with AWS kicking them off. Also, as Corey Quinn pointed out on Twitter, like They didn't have any sort of, um, basic contract service agreement with Amazon. Like they were just on like a, a, like a, like they had no relationship with them, despite how much money they were spending with them. Meaning that if they'd had even like a $0, like enterprise sort of agreement, Amazon would have had to give them 30 days notice Mm. before they kicked them off. So it was their own incompetence on a lot of levels that led it to being as bad as it was for them. Right. Yeah. Um, because amazon uh i I don't even think in amazon's case, I think that uh short of something like child porn maybe i think uh or or maybe if they were uh, you know um selling weapons or something like or not weapons but like like illegal drugs or, or like and by weapons I mean like not like guns but like arms um I, I think that uh it, it would have been difficult for for Amazon to be able to like get out of You know, an agreement without giving them thirty days' notice, right? But because they didn't have anything with them, Amazon could just be like, "See ya." The only thing that makes me slightly uncomfortable is that I'm completely fine if every company in the known universe wants to not do business with them. I think that's okay. Where I become slightly uncomfortable is if if there is a business that does want to do business with them, which is their right. I do worry if those businesses then have their livelihoods threatened because of those decisions. You know what I mean? Like if Stripe doesn't want to do business with any of these people, that's fine. But if people then like pester Stripe or MasterCard or whoever, because a business does want to do something, that's where that's the only thing. Like that's the second level thing where I would become uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. I get that. And and I I mean,
0: yeah. And, And I would be uncomfortable if like, there was an infrastructure, like like there was like a backhaul ban on something, saying like we can't serve this content, like that's which is how I felt about TikTok when when that whole like you know like uh, you know game of chicken that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump clearly lost happened. It's like <laughs> no, you know we we are not a communist country, like we don't have a firewall, right? Like we sh- shouldn't be blocking sites off the internet if somebody wants to, if somebody can find a way to host it, it should be hosted, but it shouldn't be a requirement that Amazon or anybody else has to get these asshole server space.
1: Yeah. I I do not take a libertarian approach to the internet, but are you ready for my, my best segue in recent memory? I am. So speaking of dystopias. Yes. Perfect. if, if, If you're into things like 1984 and brave new world, those are both free to listen to as part of an audible plus membership and along with plenty of political podcasts to keep you informed. So Audible, one of our sponsors today, is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, motivation, and more, like original entertainment and now podcasts. They've just launched their newest plan, Audible Plus. With an Audible Plus membership, you get full access to the Plus catalog, And it's filled with thousands of titles uh, across different formats, from audiobooks to popular and exclusive podcasts to unique Audible originals like the Words Plus Music series. You can listen offline anytime, anywhere. You can even squeeze in a workout or a guided meditation without having to go to a gym or a class. And personally, I use Audible every day. You do too. I do. Yeah. Um... I, I've been exploring the world of Black female sci-fi authors uh, in in great part due to uh, the availability on Audible of authors like Octavia Butler, N.K. Jemisin, Nnedi Okorafor. And all of those audiobooks have been read by women, often with rich accents, that add a depth to this story that I would never have gotten just reading the words. I especially love the Binti series read by Robin Miles. Uh, what have you been into, Christina?
0: Okay, so I love Audible, and like you, I use it every single day. And actually, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Brave New World earlier because that's one of my favorite books. And I recently listened to that because it's on Audible Plus. But I actually, this year, The Great Gatsby entered the public domain, and um, I haven't read it since high school. And so I was listening to The Great Gatsby the one that I listened to, there are a number of different versions you can get on audible, but the one I listened to was narrated by Jake Gyllenhaal and,
1: oh,
0: nice. it, it, and it's good. It's, it's, it's from a uh, 2013, but it's, it's really, really good. Um, I also there, you were talking about some of the podcasts they have. There is a audible original podcast escape from Jonestown. So kind of speaking of cults and things like that, yeah. um, it's actually really good. There's also, um, an audible original podcast that I've listened to that was like a six part series, that was a a Ponzi supernova all about, um, Bernie Madoff includes somebody who actually managed to get an interview with him. And so, uh, while he's in jail. So, um, that was pretty cool.
1: Sweet. That's so much information. And after we adopted our, our new kitten, we named her bod, which is a reference to the graveyard book by Neil Gaiman. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, Thanks to L, I I own that book as a, as a paperback novel and as a graphic novel. But thanks to Audible, I own that as a delightful full-cast reading, which was amazing to listen to. Um, so it, for both escapism and very reality-based learning, everything you need, Audible Plus can truly become your playlist for life. You can get a 30-day free trial by visiting audible.com slash overtired, or by texting overtired to five zero zero five zero zero. So visit audible.com slash overtired or text overtired to five zero zero five zero zero. We're both big fans of audible and super happy to have them as a sponsor this week.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm genuinely, uh, I have hundreds of books in my audible library. So definitely one of my favorite services
1: dude. And every time I finish a book, It offers me um, related content, most of which is included in my Audible Plus membership.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, actually, it was interesting because I I did run into something like that the other day where I wasn't even aware the book came out, but there's a book called Jacked that's the history of Grand Theft Auto, Um, (laughs) and it's actually really, really good. The guy who wrote it, it, it's somebody who... Written for Esquire and and Rolling Stone and the Wall Street Journal and places like that. And it's kind of a history of Rockstar Games and um, Grand Theft Auto up until I think it it came out a year before Grand Theft Auto five came out. So it's it's, you know, uh, doesn't cover Red Dead Redemption two or or the huge success of GTA five and GTA online. But it's a really good book. And it recommended that to me because I had listened to um, another book about video game history. And I was like, this is awesome. So,
1: so now for our segment. Who did Christina piss off this week? Christina, did you piss anyone off this week?
0: So, that's the thing. I was, I was like so emotionally uh, walloped by everything that I don't think so.
1: <laughs> you didn't have any think... hot takes about insurrection?
0: Well, I, that was the thing. I, I so much didn't have hot takes. I was just like, I'm not going to comment. Like, you know, other than this is terrible and fuck all these people. Like, what can you say? Right? Like also candidly, when you see the crazy go crazy, you're kind of like, all right, don't want to poke the bear. Um, <laughs> I did, sure. I, I did, uh, I was happy to see this, but one of the guys who helped, he's somebody who I've, he's a fringe, uh, right wing figure that I've been following online for like a decade. And I don't remember why I started, I was originally aware of him. I'm not exactly sure why it was some bullshit internet drama thing, but he has over the years slowly crept being more prominent, but he's never been really prominent. Like he's always sold himself as being more prominent than he is. And, um, he though was taking credit for starting stop the steal, popularizing that. And, Like he was actively like on his Twitter account being like, I, I created this, you know, the, the June, the, the January 6th, you know, like, uh, you know, event and, and, and this and that, but in the past he's said and done some really shitty things on Twitter, but he, Jack Dorsey has all, but not endorsed him, but is like. I think had had dinner with him, um, you know, has engaged with him, has had meetings with him, you know, uh, to try to come to terms with with, you know, people with right-wing concerns and has been asked about it and it's kind of like brushed it off and so I was pretty pissed off that he was not kicked off of Twitter. He has now fortunately since been uh kicked off of Twitter. So, uh that was my one kind of thing that I was thinking I was like, oh, is, is this guy's like people are they going to come after me? And uh they did not. Uh, and he was suspended. So fuck huh. you, dude.
1: Got away. Got away. scot free.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, no, he,
0: he, he didn't. So, yeah, I got away. Scot- no, you free. did. He did yeah. not. Yeah. It, yeah, totally. I somehow managed to not piss anybody off this week, which is amazing.
1: Well, if you want to say anything about Elon Musk or something, just so we can piss somebody off feel free. God,
0: you know what? Okay. So I'm so annoyed. So he followed Gizmodo for years and uh, we used to interview him in the DMS. I'm okay. not joking. Okay. I've like interviewed him in the DMS. He would do interviews with us and we were always antagonistic. Like it was not a, like a, it was not a situation where it was like a friendly interview. He eventually stopped following gizmodo and so that ended sadly and then i also lost access to the twitter account so i couldn't do that anymore but he would tweet crazy shit and then we would just jump in the dms and be like what the hell dude what what are you talking about and like um yeah (laughs) but uh yeah no if you want if you want to get people after you just just insult Elon or tesla and i'm not going to do either of those things i'm valuing my mental health this week but I'm sure I will find somebody to piss off before next episode, just yeah, hopefully I, not alone.
1: I used to have a lot of uh, admiration even for Musk mm-hmm. um, for the things that he's accomplished and done, but he has burned all of that political capital with me, right? Like as of the last, even like two years now and the people yeah. that are rabid fanboys of him
0: Crazy, it's it's gross. Honestly,
1: yeah, you don't want to fuck with those people either. They're very no, they're loud no, they're, and they're, nasty. they're
0: very, they're like Andrew Yang people. Yeah, okay. Oh, th- okay. I, it didn't happen, but um, did we talk about? Yeah, we did talk about how the the five hundred dollars bet that I made with somebody about yeah, yeah, Andrew yeah, yeah. Yang running for mayor. Right? Okay. Well, an update on that. I'm totally gonna win that bet, and that guy is totally not gonna pay. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> so, Andrew Yang gave an interview with the New York Times on uh, Monday. Where he, he, he defended himself not living in the city of New York during the pandemic because, and I quote, or I paraphrase, you know, uh, we have two kids at home with, in a two-bedroom apartment with two kids, remote schooling and trying to get work done. How are we supposed to do that?
1: Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, how, how, how do millions <laughs> and millions of New Yorkers do that? He also admitted that uh, he has never voted in a mayoral election in New York City.
1: Wow, that's, yeah, he's not going to make it.
0: No, so uh, he's not making it to the primary. If he somehow does make it to the primary, I will pay my $500, but I feel very confident he will not. And I also feel equally confident that the radio show of of Yang crazy people will not pay me.
1: <laughs> that's fair. That's a fair, a safe bet.
0: I will both win and lose, but yeah. So, um, that's probably who I'll piss off next will be. He will probably continue to say some, some dumb shit. And I will continue to like harp on the fact that he says dumb shit. Cause
1: I'm worried that making this a segment of the show may actually encourage you to piss <laughs> people off more. Although I, I don't know if I'm worried about that so much as maybe feel like it's a guilty pleasure.
0: I was going to say, you're not worried. You're you, you, you enjoy this just as much as I do. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and look, what we've learned though, is that when it's not healthy, I can, I can like not do it. Right. Like it wasn't emotionally healthy for me to piss people off this week. So
1: you have a filter. Um, That's good to know.
0: Yeah, I actually do. Shockingly. Um, yeah, that honestly would be the scariest thing if people saw my unfiltered thoughts, but, uh,
1: (laughs) sure. Yeah, I, I think that's I, true of most people, though.
0: I think it's true. Uh, it's absolutely true of most people, and uh, yeah, and which is why I'm aware of that I'm like, no, I, I I like having a job. Thank you.
1: Every time I watch a sci-fi slash fantasy show where someone has telepathy, or like uh, the kind of empath- empathic abilities that like Troy had in, in TNG, I mm-hmm. I think the only show that's well, TNG addressed it a few times, but Magicians did a great job of addressing the kind of madness that would occur if you could actually hear what people were thinking. Yeah. Did you, did you yeah. watch Magicians?
0: No, I didn't. Oh I'm going to have to I now. I love
1: that show so much. Um it's it's done now. You can binge all, I think three seasons, maybe four.
0: Okay, I will do that.
1: I, I you'll you'll like it. I I'm, I'm 90 two point <laughs> like three percent sure that you would enjoy magicians
0: no i'm i'm feeling uh very much like i will um just based on your kind of description of why you would like be interested in being able to like hear people's thoughts oh, about the that characters
1: are great yeah yeah watch watch even a few episodes and then come back and i, I want to talk about magicians okay with you. all right we'll do that all right well we started late we'll we'll end we're at one o four for time. That's that's a pretty good episode.
0: I was going to say it's pretty stand. That's we we got we got a lot of stuff in.
1: We only got halfway through the list I made, and I was worried that the list was too short. So, of course, the insurrection talk. You know, this it it deserved half of our episode this week. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so, and and I hope that I we I saw in the Discord people were glad that we didn't. Talk about it last week because it hadn't happened yet and it was a reprieve and i hope this wasn't too much for you all but uh i definitely needed to get some of that out i feel like you did too
1: so yeah. with 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 a week of uh kind of breathing space between recording like doing it the day it was happening would have been raw and probably ill-informed so yes good timing good timing and uh i hope i hope this week uh i, I hope that work gets back to normal for you and uh, that the upcoming um, inauguration and potential violence around that doesn't continue to disrupt your mental health.
0: Yeah, thank you. And likewise, I hope that this doesn't, uh, you know, aid in, in your depression or anything else that you're going through because, <laughs> no, because it's rough, right? Like, it's just, it's not, it's not fun for anybody. And, and even for people who don't live in, in this country, I don't think it's fun for anybody in the world right now.
1: Yes. So as, as Frazier would say, good mental health to everybody.
0: Good mental health, everybody. All right. Well, Brett, um, thank you for this. This has been actually, I'm going to be honest. This has been good for my mental health. So I hope it hasn't been too traumatizing for our audience because this has actually helped me, but get some sleep, buddy.
1: You too. Get some sleep. The system is going down now.